Osiris. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Best Show Ever Pod, uh, the podcast where we talk about the best concert that people ever saw in their life. Um, I'm Cam. I'm your host. And we have got a really cool episode this week with another Osiris podcast host um, of multiple podcasts. Um, I've got Megan Gleona on the podcast this week. Uh, Megan is the co-host of Things of Gold Pod with uh, Ryan Storm. She's also a co-host on Helping Friendly Podcast uh, with RJ and um, a a bunch of other cool co-hosts. Megan has seen some really, really sweet shows, uh, specifically fish shows. And we do talk about fish. We talk about 90s fish. We talk about fish of the day. <laughs> we talk about 90s fish and the fish of the day. Um, we, we span eras. We talk about legacies. We talk about uh, goose. We talk about boy bands. Uh, we talk about the aesthetics of uh, the 90s and the early 2000s, um, and we get a little bit into you know seeing shows now that you've become an adult, now that you've got kids and and things like that, and how to carry that through. Um, really, really great conversation with Megan. So I will not bore you with any more intro. Uh, sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with Megan. But first, enjoy a little bit of music from none other than Jesus and Fartfinger. This is the best show ever. This is the best show ever. This is the best show, the best show ever. This is the best show. Best show I ever heard. I think I have to agree. Ever. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So, were, so your parents were they jam band people back in the day, or were they? Um, or have you turned them onto it? A little bit of both. They were hippies. So my dad was went to Woodstock when he was in high school to protest the Vietnam War, but ended up in this like giant party, you know. And um, and so they were really into music. They I grew up on like seventies rock, like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Fleetwood Mac. Like that's what was playing in my house growing up. A lot of classic rock. And so they were never into the dead though. Like my dad watched the long strange trip with me, that, that movie that like hundred year hour long movie or whatever. And he was like this, I don't know how I missed the dead. Like I just did, you know, it just never was kind of like put in front of him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's kind of into the dead, but not really, 
but they've been to, I think they've been to one fish show. They went to July 21st, 1997. I took them to, which is like that famous show. Yeah. With the storm and Raleigh. I was on tour doing like a mini summer tour and brought them to that show because they lived in Raleigh, North Carolina then. And all my friends crashed at their house and they like made food for us and they came to the show and I put them on the lawn and they had like ponchos and it started raining. And I was like, so you guys stay here. I'm just going to go down to the pavilion with my friends. And like I danced to the pavilion and like had the best time. And my parents, like they sat it out the whole show in the rain and they were total sports about it. And yeah, now they're into tray. They like tab a lot. And now they like goose. So now they're like into it. Like my dad had never been to Red Rocks, had always wanted to go. And so he flew out for the tray shows. And it was like the best experience for him. And he was so into it. He loves horns. He loves that full sound that Tab has. And so, yeah, he's a tray guy. I mean, I can't blame him. What can you say? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm totally on board with that. I'm a sucker for a horn section. Um, and I don't know what it is about a uh, tray band that does appeal a little bit more to like my folks too. Like when, when it comes mm-hmm. up on their, uh, you know, they still listen to Pandora. They're still like, they are like <laughs> slaves to Pandora. And so like, when it comes up, they're like, Oh, I like this. Cause yeah. they like, like Tedeschi trucks. They, they're like he- heads for Tedeschi trucks. They're like on tour. My parents um, love Tedeschi trucks too. So it is, I I think that's like a, tab is like a more approachable, like whenever people are like, play me fish, I'm like, let's start with tab. Like it's a little bit more songy. It's a fuller kind of like, you know, big band sound. I think it's not as like weird. There's not a, you know, you're not going to be playing for them. And all of a sudden you're going to end up in like contact and you're going to have to like explain it. You know, it's like, it's not going to end up there like with tab. So I do, I think there's like a crossover of that. Yeah, the lyrics are a little more um, accessible and like a little less goofy. Like my my dad is down for goofy. Like he's a big Zappa guy, and so he'll oh nice, to, yeah. You know the weirdest cuts and everything. And my mom does not do Zappa, but she loves like blues music, and she like loves Stevie Ray Vaughan and like all that kind of stuff. And so whenever Trey gets like bluesy, like I'll give her like a forty six days or something, and she'll be like, "I love this. This is yeah, great." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's definitely like kind of that, yeah, like the Tedeschi trucks, like bluesy, you know, kind of like soul, kind of like folky stuff. Yeah. My parents are super into that too. They love them. They're always trying to like push Susan Tedeschi on me. And I'm like, I just really haven't listened to it, but I should. Have you been to a show? No. You got to see Derek Trucks and well, I know, right? I mean, they really are like pretty phenomenal and the, the crowd does like sit down and it is like it's it's not like the same scene that we're used to but they're pretty good yeah they're, they're really good. good and i listen i loved listening to that um what was it when did Derek trucks play with trey and they played like layla when was that that was like at lock-in yeah, yeah that was i listened to that a lot and i loved susan sang on um what did she sing? Which Trey song did she sing on? One of the new ones, one of the Ghost of the Forest ones. And it was like so beautiful. Mm. And I hear her voice like every time I hear that song now. What is it? I'll, I'll remember it. But yeah. I'm I'm blanking on it too. But she, yeah, she's got pipes. She really brings oh, uh, the muscle on the vocals mm-hmm. for sure. Derek Trucks, no vocals, not even talking. No. <laughs> it's really super quiet. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't even really look up from his guitar the whole time really he's just kind of 
He's just kind of in his own world. And Susan Tedeschi is the front woman for that, for that band, for sure. For sure. Well, it seems like that's all they need is just one, right? That's right. They don't need, they don't need all that. No. Oh, and it was a life beyond the dream. Oh yeah. Yes. Her singing on that. It's like amazing. Man, this is going to be my parents' favorite episode. They're going to be like, yes, yes. <laughs> I think your parents need to take me to the Tadashi Trucks band show. I think I'm saying that wrong. That's hard for me to say. Tadashi? Am I doing it right? It's Tadeski. Tadeski. Now I know why I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> it's not that hard. I'm just struggling. Well, um, so we're going to get into your your best show. We're going to get into some of your best shows. But before we get into those, I, I like to do first and worst show. Um, yeah. So what was, the, what was the first concert and the worst concert that you ever went to? Okay. So the first concert that I ever went to, and I'm a little annoyed because I'm going to really age myself here, but it was sure. New Kids New Kids on the Block. Oh, my God. Yep. Unbelievable. Hanging tough. You know, you got the right stuff, baby. Yeah, it was that. It was New Kids on the Block. It was 1989. We drove from my home in Grand Rapids, Michigan to Clarkston, Michigan, outside of Detroit for the Hangin' Tough tour. And this tour was kind of cool because originally it started with they were opening for Tiffany, who was a big like girl person then. And because the new kids was so popular, they ended up co like headlining and then she ended up opening for them at all the shows. So by the time Man. I jumped on the tour, she was opening for them with her like cool, like hand dancing that she did during the Beatles cover of, um, I think we're alone now. And it was cool. Yeah. I was like, okay, Tiffany's cool. Like, this is great. And I remember I wore like this huge vest because I was a Jordan girl. And if you know anything about New Kids on the Block, Jordan was like the lead guy and he wore this oversized like printed vest. And of course I had one. And oh, I remember like turning to my mom and my friend and being like, listen, I really hate it when people like scream. Like when I see concerts on TV and everybody's like screaming and going crazy, like just be quiet when the artist comes out and like get ready for them. And then they, you know, came out and I saw Jordan and I just screamed my head yeah. off. Like <laughs> I was just like, yes, Jordan. So um, that was my first show. It was amazing. And I loved it. You, you went in as a pro. You're like, listen, like just control, control yourself. <laughs> In the concert, like it's relax and just watch the presentation. But then the fever took hold. Exactly. You cannot resist a boy band. Not when you're like, no. you know, 11 years old. You can't. No. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you seen him in magazines. You saw him on MTV and all of a sudden there, there he is in the big vest. And so it's like, you know, you can't, you can't help but go crazy. He had a rat tail, like forget it. He had everything. Oh, come on. <laughs> He had every man. That's all you needed back then was a rat tail. All you needed a rat tail, a swoop hair, and like a really big, really big clothing that did not fit. And sweet moves. And some really good moves. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to bring some of those out in Fish Tour this summer. Some of those like hanging tough moves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and those guys kind of paved the way for like the boy band craze that is huge when I'm. A kid like with in sync. I, I was a big in sync 
kid. I there's actually a picture of me and and I will I will find it. Um, I had friends who they had older sisters that were trying to like meet in sync, and so there was like a Garnier Fructis like. <laughs> Like uh, <laughs> contests, and it was like come up with the funniest in sync video, and uh, and you get to meet in sync. And so these girls like got their little brother and all of his friends, and they're like, we're gonna dress you guys up like in sync, and we're no gonna way. do a music video. And I was Lance Bass. Um, <laughs> Amazing. I mean, and I had perfect. Silver, yep, silver hair. It was kind of the first video I ever did. Really. Uh, of <laughs> do you still have it? I definitely, there's definitely a picture uh, that my mom keeps because she thinks it's like the best. I'm in like a Seattle Supersonics jersey and I'm like <laughs> kind of posting up like Lance Bass style. Did you do like a dance? Oh yeah. We went to like oh, a wow. school gym that was like empty and we like, you know. <laughs> you did like the the one where they're like, is that the one where they're like puppets or something? It's gonna is- be May. May. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so so good, and I I don't know in in the like the uh, new kids on the block kind of era was there a, a rival? Because I was like, I I hated Backstreet Boys. I was like, oh, you hated? <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was like, they don't even they're not even real, <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, I think there was like Menudo, which was like yeah, but I I don't know if they were rival. I can't remember the timing of it, but that's the only other boy band I can think of back then. But the, you know what? I was just about new kids. I was a one band girl, just like you. I was only only there for new kids, just like you were there for NSYNC. That's right. That's I mean, right. I think you We've chose grown. the right one. I think you chose the right one. Anyway, I mean, Justin was clearly the most talented out of all of them. Yeah, Backstreet Boys was like a knockoff. They were like yeah, Mm-mm. weak, just weak. I don't know. And then I, <laughs> not as yeah. good. I agree Forget about it. Also, there was probably like a girl. It was like probably like the first girl I ever ever had a crush on. Had like a had like an in sync folder in class or something. I'm like in sync's <laughs> the best. Forget NSYNC's it. Easily the best. <laughs> it's done forever, sealed. Did you ever have like frosted tips or like wear like two earrings or anything? I would do. I was puka shell. I didn't do oh, two earrings. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and I was like the the wall of hair gel. I would do like yes. little like whatever this is. <laughs> yeah. Was kind of my my hairstyle, and so it's so good. And yeah, I my brother had the two earrings. He had like the two cubic zirconiums that were like like you know they would have been like four carats or something. Like yes. it was like, so enormous. He pierced them himself. Yeah, it's a nice. good look. Mm-hmm. That early two thousands look. You have like a, a fitted baseball cap that's like down like you backwards <laughs> and like down to here. Exactly. Like <laughs> you have this huge forehead because of it. I can't show. Yeah, right. Man, those were looks. That's what you should be bringing back on tour this summer is some early 2000s looks. You those know, don't good. tempt me, Kim. I'm I'm not afraid yeah. of a, you know, a theme for sure. Yeah, go for it. Um, what about the worst show you ever saw? It's like really makes me feel bad to talk about it because it's it's a fish show and it's not even no. that bad. I know, I know. But it's more like circumstantial. Like it was... Yeah. You know, it was like one of these things where, so it was 2009 and it was, you know, they had only been back for like three months, not even. Right. Yeah. I guess they'd been back for three months at this point. And it was going to be my first show in 10 years because I didn't see any shows in 2.0. So I, I was really excited. I had a baby. I had like a one-year-old and I was like, you know, I'm, 
I just had this baby, but it's like a year old. I can go out. I can like party. I'm, I'm going to go see fish. I'm going to take my husband. He's never been. It's going to be like, you know, I'm going to go back on tour. Like it was like, I was all excited. I was like ready to like re-enter the fish universe. And then I found out I was pregnant. Yep. Oh, found out I was pregnant that week. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm not going to do this show. Like I've done every other fish show in my life. I was like, okay, that's okay. It's cool. Like I'm older now. I can do like a more mature version of this show. So I I don't have to do, I don't have to do drugs. I don't I can be sober. I can be sober at a fish show. Um, And so I was like, I can do that. Yeah. And my husband's like, I can't. So, you know, I'm going to need some beers, like some solid beers. Like I don't like fish. Like I'm going to need a lot. So I'm like, well, you're going to love the lot. So we like go to the lot. It's Jones Beach. This is June 4th, 2009. And I'm like, we're going to go to the lot. And he was like, this place is heaven. I like heady beers. I like veggie burritos. He loved it. You had a couple beers, was feeling good. We go into the venue and this is when... Jones Beach was still a state park. So they were not selling alcohol inside the venue at that point in time. Oh, no. So, yeah. So we get in the show and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? I can't buy alcohol in here. And then it starts to torrentially downpour. The temperature drops by like 30 degrees. It's freezing and we're unprepared. I haven't been on tour in a while. I forgot that you like plan for stuff. You know, you like have a plan. I did not. So I was freezing. Um, I had to buy like a, a sweatshirt, like a mer- at the merch stand. I was like, I guess I'm buying a sweatshirt. It was like, my husband got like sober and sober by the minute we were like wet, you know, Trey played time turns elastic. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't. And that was the, la- that was the last straw. I was like, I don't know. I just don't know. You know, it just, I wasn't like in the scene anymore. I wasn't listening to a lot of the stuff, the new stuff. Like I didn't, I wasn't prepared for the show. I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of friends in the scene anymore. Like all my friends that I used to see shows with were like in my college friends. They didn't live in New York. So it just felt very kind of, I just felt like I was trying on something that didn't fit anymore. And it made me like really sad and, and I still found moments I liked, of course, because it's fish and they're amazing, but it just, it wasn't the best show for me. I felt like the show really like didn't have a lot of flow, wasn't the best playing. It was kind of sad. Hey, that's, that's okay for a band who improvises. Sometimes there's going to be nice, yes. they were just, they were just coming back. And to be honest, some of those 09 and 2010 shows, there's some, there's some gems in there for sure. Mm-hmm. There's also there's some tough stuff in there. And so yeah. uh I, I think it, I, the thing about not being prepared is funny though. Cause like now I'll go to like other <laughs> yeah. shows with friends who don't see fish shows and they'll be like, wow, you're so like you got all the stuff. You're like really prepared. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, cause I <laughs> the stuff that I go see, you need you need all your stuff with you. Like you you're need like, to be I'm prepared, a professional, right? just so Listen. you know. This is what I do. I go to shows and I do it right. Yeah. I got snacks. Yeah. I got blankets. I got cliff bars. I got waters. Sealed. What do you need? <laughs> but I got uh, sunscreen. Listen, we're going to have a good time because I'm prepared. <laughs> I'm not a noob. Just so you know. Just so you know. That's an, oh man, there's no way to like, there's no way you would have known beforehand that the venue wasn't selling alcohol and like even just like 
two or three beers during the show probably would have made a difference for your husband. But like, I mean, that's a lot of just like your best show, you know, your worst show. It's probably like a bunch of little things, you know? Yes, that, exactly. That it adds up. up. Yeah. And like, you know, three hours of fish sober when you don't like fish in the rain it's a lot. I've also taken him to a New Year's show. Like he saw the Petrichor New Year's, you know, five hours of fish when cool. you don't fish is a lot. It was cool. There were there was plenty of beer, so he had a great time. But you know, like <laughs> it's a lot. It's a big ask. Fish is a lot. It's a lot to bring people to who who don't aren't into it. But it's okay. We made it through. I still went back every year. I continued to see a show like once or twice a year. Like even when I was like in that period in my life, when I was like having young kids and the band was still getting back, you know, getting their like kind of like wheels back on. Um, so it didn't like deter me, but it was a bummer. That's good to know though, that, um, some of my friends are having babies like right now, um, have brand new fresh babies and they're a little like, well, see you in another life. I'll never see you again. (laughs) It does feel like that ever again. And so I'll show them this episode and be like, look, there's hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can even host a podcast about this stuff if you wanted to. Yeah. And like when your kids get older, like I don't even need to do anything for my kids anymore. Like they make dinner for me now. Like I'm totally done raising them. Like occasionally there's like a minor inconvenience. I have to like take them to the doctor or something, but otherwise they're just like hanging out, doing their own thing, having fun, you know, and, and, and now I get to do what I want. So it's, there's definitely light at yeah. the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That's great. That's really great. And, um, and it, the thing of like bringing a friend to a show, like a, a, a lot of my friends that I regularly see shows with don't live with me here in California. So like seeing fish and seeing jam stuff out here in California has been a lot of like bringing a buddy who has never mm-hmm. been, or like bringing yeah. my girlfriend who has never been. And like, you know, they like music, but it's a totally different, it's a brand new thing with a lot of inside jokes and people have the quotes of the stuff on their t-shirts and there's like all these different little rules of like, you can't go to the bathroom right now. And like (laughs) all that kind of stuff is going on. And they're just like, I, I, you know, people go to concerts and they're like, "I, I feel like I was not prepared for this. Um, and then there's that whole, like that drive home too, where you're like, so what'd you think of, um, did you have any like highlights or no highlights? Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, no big deal. Either way. It's, it's really hard to like rabidly love something and bring someone or share it with someone who's like lukewarm or not interested, like, because they like you, they'll do it. You know, they're like, you know, they're yeah. like, Oh, you know, I like you. And so I'm going to do it for you. And, you know, my husband's been to like five fish shows and and he's done it because I asked him to go with me and he's like, of course, you know, but does he go by choice? No. And it's because it's like, it's a lot. It's like a whole thing. It's like, especially now, and I'm sure it's this way for you, like when you're in the community and you're kind of engaged with the community and, you know, people like want to connect with you and you want to connect with people, it becomes such a big thing that it's like a lot to go with somebody who's like, you know, like that. Like, I think it's, I talk a lot about with my girlfriends, like when I met a bunch of like my girlfriends that I see shows with now, like we met in the last like five years, like meeting someone who moved upstairs from me and found out like I was a fish fan. And then we connected and meeting like, you know, my 
sister-in-law's friend who's like this huge fish fan and we connected. And so now we're like really good friends and we go to see shows together and we like travel together and we're a little like girl gang. And it's like, it's so fun, you know, and it's just like so great. But it's like, when you think about like people who are, we talk, I, the three of us talk a lot about like what it was like when we first started seeing shows together and like, we were anonymous and we didn't like, you know, I wasn't doing the podcast and I wasn't like out there like connecting with the community in a way. And I love doing that. Like that's been one of my favorite things about the podcast is like getting to meet so many people and like connecting with people on like Twitter. And even though like my daughter told me today that Twitter is dead or for old people, but, um, you know, I'm kind of new to Twitter cause I guess I'm not hip, but, um, I was explaining to her like that. I like love connecting to people on Twitter and like making friends and like connecting through this community. And that's been like such a huge added bonus to me, you know, with these shows now is like feeling like part of something, you know, that I, something that I've done for so long, but that now I feel like I'm connected to in a different way. And so my friends and I are always saying like, when we used to go to shows, we'd be like anonymous and we could be like, you know, naughty and like do things that nobody, nobody would really know, you know? And now it's like, I'm always kind of like, Oh, like, Oh no. Like that person is kind of acting like an asshole. Like, don't do anything around me. Like, I don't want people to think I'm an asshole and like put it on Twitter. You know, I'm like, I'm nervous about it. I'm going through that too. I really am. Like these recent fish shows, first of all, like my little brother is a huge, huge fish fan. And so is my older brother and going to shows with him. He's like, you know, now people will be like, Hey, I saw your little TikTok thing. And he'll be like, like, he doesn't, it's not like we're doing anything that's not okay, but he right. just doesn't like want to be seen. And I, you know, I, yeah. I also like kind of didn't really think about that. I didn't think I about didn't that, like, you know, like how, how things could, like people could notice you and then like see you during the show. I, I, I never thought about that, but, um, cause it is really like a, a thing that I use to go and have fun and get in touch with myself. And, um, it's truly just recreation. And it's also like a big, just a big part of who I am. I just love, I love live music and they do it. Fish does it the best. So yes. um, it's like church of live music for me. Uh-oh, cult, cult talk. A hundred percent, a hundred percent church. I mean, and that's like exactly what I wanted to like, I was excited to talk to you today about this because I was thinking like you and I are kind of in a similar spot in that. And like, I wasn't expecting that when I, you know, joined the podcast and like started, you know, kind of engaging that way that like people might recognize me or say things to me at shows or like recognize my friends because I'm post pictures with them. And, you know, it was just, it's been so funny because it's, it's been surprising. It's changed the experience for me and in a positive way, but also like in a different way. So it's like a lot to go to a show now and be kind of like, you know, when you're with friends and they just kind of want to like blend into the like, yeah, you know, the ether and be chill and float around and, and it's different right. now. So yeah, it's, it's cool though. I mean, it's really funny how that's changed. I think when you asked me to think about like the best show I ever saw and I started thinking about my favorite experiences, it really felt like there was two categories. It felt like there was like a category of like before the podcast and then like after, and some of the shows were like amazing because I was anonymous and I was in this like universe where like I didn't have to worry about anything else except the music and except the experience and then some of them were amazing because I am more connected and have more friends and feel like there's like this 
joyful communion with like people that I meet on the internet and get to meet in real life and how fun that is. And so it's weird. It's like, there's, you know, there's kind of, I guess, pluses and minuses on both sides. Yeah. I mean, your specific like fish career sounds like you, there was like a, in the nineties, you're like learning who you are, you're growing up, Mm -hmm. you're becoming an adult and like figuring out the things that you like. And then, you know, when you get to see them again, you're married, you have a kid and, and now you're, you're totally yourself or you're a lot more sure of yourself. I'm sure. Um, Oh yeah. And now you're like in this new, you get to have a new relationship with it, even though it's the same, same group, same community, same thing. It's just a different, um, I guess a different like framework for how you're seeing the shows, but I mean, let's with, with that, like let, yeah. do you have some honorable mentions from both eras or. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, one show I did want to talk about, but decided not to choose it as like my, my best show ever, even though musically it's definitely probably top two is 1230, 19. And that, you know, MSG show is just like the best, you know, perfect set list perfect flow, beautiful, like ballads that were unique, you know, got like Ballad of Curtis Lowe and Karina and like, you know, and then of course this absolutely, well, first in the first set, there's like a stretched out blazon that's just like amazing, but totally overlooked because of this piece of art that happens in the second with Tweezer and the Ruby waves. I mean, the whole second set is just a masterpiece. And I was on the floor, talk about church. I was literally like, on the floor at MSG. I had never been on the floor. I've seen fish at MSG countless times before that, but I'd never been on the floor. And I was on the floor and I'm short, so I can't see anything. And I was just (laughs) in the soup. You know, I just felt like I was feeling the feelings. I didn't try to see anything. Sometimes when I'm like dancing to fish, I'm a big dancer. Sometimes I like I'm torn by, oh, I kind of want to watch and see what they're doing, but I just want to feel and dance. And this was like, well, I can't see anything anyway. So I just get to dance. And I was completely in like this other planet. Like I was just taken to another place during that tweezer. And I'll never forget what that felt like. I'll never forget looking at my friend. And this was before I was on the podcast. This was, we didn't know anybody. It was just the two of us at Madison Square Garden. It was like we existed in this own little like secret universe together, you know, and we got to go and have this like religious experience practically on the floor at MSG. And it, the whole experience was just bliss, you know, and I think that like it was so different from how I go to shows now. And, you know, even just comparing that to another like one of my favorite shows, which was like um, the twelve thirty show from from this last year, 123022. Yeah. Amazing show, closely followed by 1229 this year, last year. They're both incredible. But that show started, you know, there was like an Osiris Media happy hour at the Bar Moynihan, and we had like Twitter celebs that I got to meet. And, you know, it was just like cool. very like collegiate and fun. And I got to like meet all these people that I've been connecting with. And, you know, and and we just had this epic show the night before on the 29th. So there wasn't like pressure about is the 30th going to be what it usually is because the 30th is my favorite night of fish. 1230 is my yeah. favorite night of fish ever. And um, every one of those shows all the way back is always good. Like it's insane every single time. Yeah. It's a holy night. It's insane. So because they played such a creative and just like incredible show on the 29th, I wasn't, nobody was like stressed out about like, oh, is this going to be like a good show tonight? It was like, well, we already won. So like now, you know, they're just going to like, we already won. And so their vibes were just so high. And then we got to go in and I had a big crew of friends and we just 
had the best spots and we danced like crazy. And I got to like bring other friends up to our spot. And, you know, I got to see so many people that work at Osiris that I hadn't met yet. And, you know, there was just a lot of like, it felt so connected. I remember walking around like the concourse at 100 level at MSG and just kept running into people at like the right time. Like, you know, people that you had been trying to connect with, but then you couldn't all of a sudden you're like, there you are. It was just like one of those nights, you know? And I, yeah. and I just, it was so great. And afterwards we went to like an after party. It was just like so fun. And I felt like it was the exact opposite experience that I'd had on the night in the, in 2019 in the sense of like being on our own and being like super integrated, but they were both like just beautiful for, for different reasons. So I think there's like this symmetry to that, that I, that I really appreciate. And, and I think like now that I'm older too, I appreciate so much more about going to these shows. And that's why I like, I love talking to you and thinking about your experience at these shows because you're younger than me, but I feel like you appreciate it in a way that I didn't when I was younger. And I think that that's like, you know, I, I was in the room for 1230, 1997, like definitely probably the best fish show that I'll ever see, but I didn't appreciate it. Like I would now, you know, I mean, I loved it. I, I know I had like the time of my life. I remember moments in that show that I was like, just blown away, but I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I was, I was hanging out with dumb people. I was like, you know, doing stupid things. I wasn't like experiencing it in the moment, like being as present as I would be now. And I think that that's like something that I really appreciate about, you know, getting to see shows now and like having this experience with the podcast. Cause it makes me just like live in the moment in a way that I didn't in the past. Totally. I think that it's really hard to, I mean, it's easier for me to um, have this kind of step back, stepped back view of fish or the grateful dead or um, any band like that, where I'm not in the middle of their prime where, and yeah. when you're in the middle of a prime, you have no idea. You have no idea that you're in the middle yeah. of like you, you recognize that the shows are great and you recognize that like maybe they're better than the years before, but you have no context for what it's going to mean in 2023, you know, like, <laughs> right, right, I, yeah. guys like me and, you know, like, uh, I just talked to LSP and he's a younger guy as well. Ryan storm, like yeah. we have the full context, you know, we have the full, yeah. like, we've been able to look everything up and we've got no, like nothing attached to it. We can just research it and like it. Um, and so then now when you're seeing the shows, you're like, this one could be special like that one. And I'm going to watch it like that. or I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to make sure that I don't like, I also, when I was younger, (laughs) you know, I wasn't seeing fish quite yet, but like some of the bands that I saw or some of the shows that I saw, um, yeah, I was like, blackout drunk forum or right like, no exactly you know, yeah yeah or like doing yeah just doing weird stuff or like not really paying attention just kind of like bopping around the venue with my friend where meanwhile like there was a an artist like on one of their first tours that I could have enjoyed you know yeah, and yeah, now they're yeah. like a famous act and I'm like yeah I don't really remember <laughs> no show. exactly and maybe yeah. that's just youth right like maybe it's just being like super yeah. young and not appreciating it but but that's what I wanted to ask you about because I know you like goose and I love goose. And yeah. do you think that it's, so some of the best shows I've seen recently are goose shows. And mm-hmm. I think that they're every show I see is better than the last one. And the last one was really good. So I'm yeah. wondering like, 
you know, is this what people felt like seeing fish in like 92, 93? Do you think that we're going to appreciate that we are seeing the prime of goose? Like, I guess it just depends where they end up going, but I just feel like it's such an interesting period in their history. And I'm so like excited to be here for it. And one of the reasons why I'm just so into them right now and find them just thrilling is this like idea of watching them grow and like kind of develop in this way that seems really exciting. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. I I feel that way totally. And I think there's a little bit of me, um, and maybe people who are my age that like fish and like the Grateful Dead, that that also want that. We really Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, man, do I want the fish 90s or man do I want any <laughs> right. era of the dead, you know? And so, and I, you know, me and my friends sit around and talk about that exactly all the time it's like almost you know like it doesn't matter so shut up about it but it's like we'll compare (laughs) you know this this era of fish to like 87 through 90 you know of the grateful dead or we'll compare you know like 2018 to now to like 91 through 95 of fish you know like with goose and so um and it's not crazy to make that step you know like every year if you listen to goose like i was just talking about this with lsp that you can listen to a drip field from 2019 and listen to a drip field now and it's like just more confidence more layered you know more experimentation like all that kind of stuff in the same way that that fish was accomplishing that in the 90s like they really you know you listen to 94 there's really not like a ton of like funk pockets and then you get into like 97 98 and it's like funk galore you know and that's yeah it it's just what they're listening to and what they're growing with and so like i i we really hope that that's the case with goose or um with with literally any band like if once you like them you're like oh i hope you turn into the beatles and i get to (laughs) (laughs) and i i hope i got to see all of the early stuff you know and and that's also what makes you like get really, really into these bands. Like, I, you know, I, yeah, the Goose, when they came through in spring, they didn't hit LA and I live in LA. And so I was like, I, I don't have a crew for this. I must drive down to San Diego to see Goose. Yes. It's $12 and I'll never be able to do that again. Um, and that felt like, Ooh, I'm like getting in on it. Like I, like I could have in the nineties with fish, like, it, yeah. you know, and I think there's something to that. Like you said, like, you know, for anybody who's like a 2.0 or 3.0 fish person, like you didn't get to to do that with fish. So like to get to do it with goose is like super cool and probably makes you feel like even more connected to the band, right? It's like an opportunity to have that experience and to grow with them. And yeah, I am so into them. I just think their songwriting is just so unbelievable. I think Brick is like a once in a generation talent. I this is the first band since fish that I listen to their music and I pull up their lyrics and I like read the lyrics as I'm listening to the music. It's like, yeah, 
poetry. It's he's so good at at writing in a way that's open for interpretation, which is like what Hunter did so well, or what Tom Marshall yeah. can do. And you know, that's totally. rare. It's really really hard to do that. And um, Rick does it to me, it seems really effortless and he's super young and he writes really kind of like wise beyond his years lyrics. And yeah, you know, it's just so exciting to be in a space and seeing him kind of like grow. And and I think like his, his tone is continuing to develop and I'm like excited to see where that goes. And he's so incredible. He can just totally shred. And like, I love watching like Arabella and watching them play acoustic because then you really can see what Rick can do. Like watching his, him on the guitar is just like so incredible. And I'm just so into the band in general, their whole kind of vibe of like being so accessible and being open and, you know, to their fans and and engaging with them and like having fun and building inside jokes the way that Fish does so expertly, you know, it's just, it's exciting. And I just love, I'm so into their music and like this callback to the indie rock vibes and the eighties pop sensibilities. And like, there's just so much that I just feel like it's so listenable and um, it's just hitting me right. I'm, I, I saw them at the peach just a few weeks ago and that was like incredible. Man. It was so great. And it was just amazing to see. I've really like landed at like a lot of incredible shows with them just because of, I think being in New York too. Like I saw the two radio city shows and like, I got to go to the Mohegan sun show when they played with tab. And so, and then the Capitol theater. And so there's been like these just really great shows. And every time I'm like, wow, that was the best goose show I've seen. And then like the next time I'm like, okay, I think that was the best goose show I've seen. Yeah. Like, everyone, you know, it's, it's thrilling. Did that, is that how fish felt in the nineties at all? Like every time you, Oh yeah, them? for sure. For sure. I mean, I think it was like different for me in the nineties though, because like I wasn't, you know, now I'm like a more analytical and more, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm not like, you know, my friends on the pod or Ryan storm or anything where I, you know, I'm not like a Brian Brinkman or a Ryan storm where I can like remember every jam. And I have like, can pull this information out of every show. That's just not who I am. I don't remember it. I don't have that kind Neither, of memory. Neither am no? I. Even okay. like my Thank favorite God. shows. I'm like, I think, I think they did Ruby waves really long, but other than that, I don't, there's like a hood maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> how I am. And like, can you imagine trying to like keep up with these guys on the pod? I'm like, Oh my God, I have to do so much research, but it's definitely like, that's, that's not this podcast. This is the, like, I forget. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> that's, that's not, <laughs> cause it's tough, but, but they have that. And, and I think that like, when I, I, I'm not like that, but I listen to shows differently because of knowing them and talking music yeah. with them so much. And I, I love it. I listen so much more closely. So like in the nineties, I was going to party. Like I wasn't going to like see the best fish show I could and like write about it in jam bass or podcast about it. I was going yeah. to have my mind blown and, you know, do some things and have some fun with my friends. Like I wasn't like I was on tour. Like the reason that I like fell in love with all of these bands is because I love adventure. And yeah. this, this is what they afforded me. You know, they gave me a reason to drive around the country, you know, and see the grateful dead, you know, for a summer when I was 16 and 17, you know, that was what I did. And I loved that sense of like freedom and, you know, connection and just obviously I love the music and I always have and I love the art and the poetry and the lyrics but I really also just love the adventure and so yeah. that's what these bands gave to me and um now it's like 
it's an adventure of a totally different sort. Well, speaking of adventures, you've been on a lot of adventures. I have. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite best adventure, best show you ever saw? I do. And the reason I chose it is because it really epitomizes what this whole thing, why I got into this whole thing and why I love it so much. And the show is not musically the best show, but my experience was so otherworldly and I'm excited to tell you about it. Um, and also yeah. it indirectly kind of led to what I'm doing now with the podcast, which is kind of cool. So um, it all started when um, I was in college at the University of Arizona. Uh, so, and this is 1995 and I fell madly in love with a boy and that winter he's like, guess what we're going to do this summer. It's like, what? He's like, we're going to go see fish in Europe. Whoa. And yeah. And I was like, wow. Okay. I had never been to Europe. I had only, I had been to Cancun for my spring break when I was 17 <laughs> and I had cool. driven to Canada from Michigan to see a play when I was in high school. So I had Shout never. Out Ryan Storm. <laughs> exactly. And it was Toronto. It was. Cool. Um, and yeah, I'd never been like off of North America basically. And I was yeah. so excited. And so we, we flew over and we saw the show in London and then we um, went to Amsterdam and saw the show at the Melkvag. Both of those shows I could tell huge stories about, especially Melkvag, that Amsterdam show in 96 was crazy. That's when they like smoked up during set break and sat on the edge of the stage and like, and it was just didn't finish like half the songs in the second set. Like it was just like a total. I've listened crazy. to that show so many times, so many times. So you have? That's super cool. Yeah. No way. Um, no way. I just, um, so had you, you had seen, did, have you, I don't know if you said this, did you see fish before this run or was? Yeah. Yeah. Fish? So yeah. Okay. Yep. I yeah. saw, I saw fish in 94 for the first time in Grand Rapids, Michigan in my hometown. Um, at a really small venue. Yep. And then um, I saw um, them in Deer Creek in 95 in the summer, which was man, amazing. Oh my God. Probably one man, of the oh man. best nights of my life too. I like met a boy and we had like the most unbelievable night ever. And it was just, yes. it was unforgettable. It was magical, magical night. Like it was just, I'll never forget that night as long as I live. That could, that's a contender for best show ever, for sure. But this, oh, so this, yeah. So then I had seen, I, and then I saw a bunch of fall 95 out West. I did like a bunch of the California um, tour that, that fall in 95. And then, um, yeah. And then we went to Europe. And so I saw those two shows in London and in Amsterdam. And then we took the train to Italy. And this is the show I want to talk about because it's this really small show. It was in this town called Sesto Calende. Um, it's like an hour outside of Milan. And we, a bunch of us, this was our third show now. So after the first show, we kind of figured out, like, as each show went on, we figured out, like, how many people, how many Americans were, like, actually like, on tour. Because there weren't that many that were doing all the headlining shows. So there were probably, like, 50 or 60 of us that were, like, doing, planning to do every one of the shows. So it was pretty small. And so we would kind of start, like, running into each other and hanging out and, like, you know, joining groups and finding places to stay and stuff. And so we took the train down from Amsterdam and to Milan and got there late at night and the next train to the small town wasn't till the morning. So we like had to find somewhere to sleep. And so we, I remember one of our friends like got on 
like the back of someone's motorbike, this Italian guy and like drove off. We like didn't see him again until the show the next day. We're like, where have you been? Um, and we were trying, to, <laughs> it was crazy. We were trying to find a place to sleep and we trying to find a campground and we couldn't find one. We had no money, so we couldn't stay in a hotel. So we ended up just like sleeping in the parking lot that night. And we woke up the next morning and got on the first train to go to this little town. And we were so worried about tickets because we were like, I mean, I don't even know how you got tickets in 1996. Like, I don't, I don't know like what the process was. Neither do I. And that's, uh, <laughs> I have no idea. That's why I'm having you on. Cause I was not on this story. <laughs> I was, I was four years old. So I, <laughs> I couldn't make it. Uh, rub it I in Cam. God, you're such a noob. You could have made it happen. If you really tried, you probably could have fit in my backpack. Let's be honest. I was I was awful on flights, and so you didn't want me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you didn't want me out there. Yeah. I definitely did not. I think I drank like two Jack and Cokes and like fell asleep on the flight over. Um, but yeah, we yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were like, how are we going to get tickets? What if it's sold out? Like we've come all this way. Like that's going to be so annoying. And so we get there to this town, and we walk straight to the venue. It's called La Marna. It's this little like a discotheque, and. I tried to look up the capacity. I can't figure it out. I think it's pro- it was probably around like 400 or something. It was really small. And so we get there and we're like, it was on the ri- this river, the Ticini River, Ticino River or something. And it's this big river that runs through. And the club is like right on the riverbank. So we walk up there and we're like, this place is pretty sweet. And we get in line to wait and we wait like an hour. And then the box office opens and we were third in line. And my boyfriend and I, we get ticket like, okay, I guess there'll be no problem for tickets tonight. And uh, yeah, so right. we buy tickets and then we like walked into town and we bought like a jug of wine. And I had never had wine before. I was 19. And we were like passed a jug of wine around. We like, and right next to the club was a playground because what else is next to a club in Italy, but a playground, I don't know. And so we're all like, this is perfect. We'll set up our tents here. So we set up some tents and like, we were camped out in the playground and we were like drinking wine. And then like the guys from the band show up and they're like loading in and everybody's hanging out in back of the venue. And to the side of the venue, there's like these like, um, kind of like bleachers, stone bleachers. And um, Mike was hanging out there, like singing. He had his guitar and everybody had a guitar. I didn't know there were so many guitars on this fish store, but all of a sudden I have pictures and everybody has a guitar. I'm like, where'd you get these things? And everybody, we were playing dead songs with Mike and then singing and and then Fish and Paige played so much chess on this tour. So they had like chess set up like back you know, behind there and we're playing chess and Trey was like always off, like getting like a massage or like, you know, his back adjusted or that was what he was doing. You know? And so he wasn't hanging out with us. Um, and come on, big red. I know. know. Come on out. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was really amazing spending that day because it was like, I kept thinking at the time, like they were playing huge venues in, in the States by this point, you know, 96, you know, and, this was a chance for them to play really small venues and have fun. And, you know, we talk a lot, we did an HF pod episode for 40 for 40 series when we're looking back at each year of the band. And we talked about 1996 and I think it's such an interesting year to talk about because it's in, you know, the Valley in between these two, just like huge epic years of fish, both of which sound completely different. And they had to like reinvent themselves through 96. And they were probably struggling with that as they've, you know, we've reached the mountaintop, right? We've played probably one of our best shows ever, you know, the 31st in, at MSG on 1995. Like, 
they've reached it, you know, and then it's like, what do you do now? You know? And so I think 96 is really interesting because they have to reinvent their sound, but they're also having to play really big arenas in the States and stuff. And it's like, how can you reinvent your sound when you're playing these enormous places? So it's interesting because they come to Europe and, but they don't do it like they did in 97 to like workshop sounds. It seems like they just came to like party and like blow up steam and like have some fun and play some music open for Santana, you know, like just, yeah. it, it was chill. It was like maybe their last chance to do that. Cause even their 97 Europe tours were pretty professional and those shows were like sick and they were really like delivering on a high level. And clearly they had a new sound, you know, after like, doing the talking head stuff and at the end of 96 and they were ready to bring that. But I think that 96 was like that last like gasp of like that little band that was, you know? And I, and that's how that tour was. Like they would hang out with us all the time before the show. They were like super chill. Trey like was walking across the, um, the bridge over the river and some kids were like looking like they were going to jump. And Trey's like, if you jump, like I'll play whatever you want. And some idiot was like, play Makasupa. Like, out of all the songs that you could have Trey play. You blew it. <laughs> I mean, come on, anything. Like, I was just like, what? Anyway, he played it that night because the kid jumped. And so there was like a lot, of, just like this very relaxed, like, vibe. And so that whole show, like, leading up to that show, hanging out and back with them and just being in this idyllic, like, Italian riverside town, you know, drinking wine. Everybody was like really sparkly that night. The people and everybody seemed to like be on the same thing in the show. All the Americans were. Yeah. And then there was this like influx of these like, Italian men from the neighborhood who came to see the show. And that was like the vibe. It was like Americans on tour. And then like, probably like 200, like local Italian men who were just like, Hey, Hey, Hey. And you can hear them like in a show doing that. It's like so great, you know? And there was just this weird vibe that like worked and it was so fun. And I have all these pictures from that night and all the pictures have this kind of like cloudy mythic, like, disposable camera from the 90s vibe it's just so dreamy you know it's what it's like what photographers right now are like trying to recreate they like get a bunch of filters to try to like make it look like that picture but you actually have those pictures i know everybody's like oh what were you like into photography i'm like this is a disposable i brought like three disposable cameras on that trip and just like cranked them out kept them like they were gold but like it was just the show, you know, it, it's a really, there's a fun down with disease that opens the second set. Like the show is 1996, right? So there's some good moments. There's some like flubbing, there's some like whatever, but you know, it's just, it's just one of those shows that was so special to me because it was like, this experience was so something I could only have had doing, following this band around, you know, and I was in love and I was in Europe for the first time. And I was like, seeing this band I loved and in an intimate space, you know, I I had only seen them like in pretty big venues. And so this was just so incredible to see them in this like tiny room and, you know, being a foot away from them, you know, and it's just, it was just a totally magical experience. And then during set break, it was super hot in the venue. It was July and, you know, Italy. And during the set break, they, they had like garage doors on the back of the venue. And so they opened it up and everybody just ran out and went swimming. Oh man. I know. A dream that I had. This isn't a real <laughs> show. This is like a dream that happened in my sleep. 
Exactly. And then like when we're swimming, I remember we're like swimming in set break and we look over and I just see Fishman's dress like floating up. He was in the water and like we were all just like, oh my God. Yeah. Everybody was just like, it was just so cool. I remember thinking to myself like, that dress is going to be so wet. Like I couldn't, I don't, I, that was like what I was worried about. But I remember just like looking at my boyfriend, like, yeah, like, is this real life? Is this really happening? And I remember him looking at me and just saying like, and we still have second set. And I was like, Oh my God. Like that was just, it was so so amazing. you, You can't even, it's like unthinkable to have that sort of experience, especially with fish. And like you said, like you, of course, we're never going to have that experience again, but like specifically in the time that they were in their career, you were never going to have that. Yeah. I mean, they were just about to be take over the world, you know, and be destroy America. You were never going to have that like 300 people in a tiny discotheque swimming in the swimming with them at set break. That's never going to happen again. And so, wow. I mean, that's an, it was there like a, I know that you said that you weren't like super analytical at that time and you weren't, um, you were there to party and things like that, but did you have like sort of the knowledge of like, um, uh, Fishman and Trey going over to Italy and, and having that experience when they were in college and, you know, living on the street, was that kind of on your mind at all? Cause it feels to me like such a fishy, like full circle experience, you know? Yeah, totally. I don't, I don't remember if I knew that about them. Like, I don't know if I knew that they wrote, you know, like, the songs that they wrote on like the beach in it, you know, I don't know if I knew that. Um, now I know all those stories, but I don't know if I knew it then I might have, I was actually yeah. trying to think of like how we even knew about this tour was going to happen. I don't know if it was like the Doniac Shavice or like what it was that like how we figured this out, you know, but it definitely, I think that you bring up a good point in that I'm probably pretty sure that Trey and fish were really remembering all of that. When they were there, you know, I like a lot of the shows, like one of the shows in Nuremberg, like it started like an hour late because Fishman like wouldn't give up this chess game in the parking lot. You know, it was like they were very much like living that. Probably thinking a lot about that and like how different it was for them now. Right. That that there was a lot of pressures on them by 96 to to, you know, deliver and they had to reinvent their themselves. And I think that's kind of like what's going to be exciting comparing it to the goose trajectory is like, can goose continue to evolve, right? Can they continue to like reach heights and then reinvent themselves when they have to? And that's like the test of like a really, I think they can, but that's the test of like a really long running band, right? Is like, you have to have this, there's such a pressure to continue, especially a band that improvs like this, like, and has people that listen like as closely as we do, right? Like we listen so closely and that's so much pressure and we expect greatness. You know, I keep thinking about that when I hear like, these goose shows come out and everybody's like jam of the year, jam of the year. I'm like these poor guys, like they have to deliver a fucking jam of the year, like every two shows. Every single time. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Like the pressure, it's just, it's enormous. And I think fish was really feeling that. And I think it's so, and of course, as the nineties went on, it, that just continued to grow and grow and grow. And because I've said this before, and I, I really feel like it's true it's fish's own fault that we expect so much of them because they continue to deliver, you know, they just do, they continue to do a spring tour run. Like you just saw in, you know, out West, that's just phenomenal in their 40th year. That's why we expect them to be so great. And I think that's why 
Goose is exciting because we expect them to be great because they are, you know? And so I think that it's, it's a lot of pressure though. And I think that this tour in 96, this European tour was like just a chance for them to like blow off steam, open for Santana, play some small venues. I mean, they only did six headlining shows this whole summer tour and, you know, in Europe and, and they were small, like there was, you know, there was the milk bag, I guess, and the shepherd's bush, which are big, but the rest were like, I guess the Mark Tall in Hamburg is, a, but it's small venue, but kind of a storied place, but the Mark Tall, and then they play a show in Nuremberg and then this one in Italy. So like not much, you know, maybe there are only five. I think I saw six because I saw them open for Santana, which was crazy because Paige gave us tickets because he saw us trying to break into the show. And um, like, so the whole tour was just like magic and it's to bring it kind of full circle. The reason why, it kind of led to me being how I'm involved in the scene now is because during quarantine, I was listening to lots of podcasts and I was listening to a lot of HF pod and, you know, I've always been a fan of HF pod, but like I was really digging in deep because I was had a lot of time and, and I was just listening to, they did an episode on this Europe tour and they were like, you know, we don't, I think RJ is like, we don't know anybody who, who went on this tour. And like, I've always wanted to hear what it was like. And so if you went on this tour, like, let us know. And so I reached out and was like, I was on that tour. And, um, and you know, it was, and I have pictures and stories and, you know, I'd love to show them and talk to you guys about it. And so they had me come on and do like, um, like an episode that we ran in like April of 2020. And so that was the first time I was ever on the podcast. And then after that, I just begged them to be on like, until they finally let me come on for good. But, um, but yeah, right. so this tour is kind of like how, you know, it, it started, like how I ended up getting in contact with them too. So I'm really like appreciative for that. And, and you had already had your fish credentials before this tour, but I mean, if, if anything stamped it, it's definitely, this <laughs> I mean, no, no one's got that one on you. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, I saw this, I saw that, but not a lot of people who have that 96 Europe tour on you. Well, thanks. It's good for stats for sure. For sure. It, it is good for stats. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's so cool to think about, um, you know, uh, fish and tray being in, uh, in Italy during that time in college, it seemed like just a complete creative, um, time for them, like a building block. Um, and just, they got to experiment, they got to make their new songs. And then, so by the time you see them in 96, they are, you know, those songs that they made and that they had fun creating together and, and shaping, those are now like anthems that people want to see and they're expected and there's stickers and there's, you know, t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And so it's got, and when you put something out and you're done with it, I mean, Fish is never really done with any of their songs because they improvise and they build off of them constantly and they, they find new ways to jam within them. But yeah, that had to be, um, we're so lucky that fish has had so many breakthrough moments like the grateful dead did. Um, you know, obviously the comparisons run deep between those two bands, but I think one of the most apt, um, comparisons is just, you know, it, when you listen to the dead, they, they keep breaking through, they keep breaking through even when they add new members, which is something fish never had to do kind of thank God. Um, but right. We, I know <laughs> that was so lucky. Some, so lucky for that. Yeah. Some new dude, just like, playing piano that would be awful but i no. uh but they you know fish keeps breaking through and they still keep breaking through um i still feel like there are things that happen now that are like 
man, th- this is completely different than 2019. And you guys are clearly interested in this new aspect of your sound. Is there between the two eras, it seems like you've, you've seen a lot of shows in the two eras, um, 1.0 and 3.0. What, I mean, do you feel the same or is there? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, what's so incredible about fish is like, you know, if you listen, let's say to the 12, 30, 19 show, it opens with Wilson, which is what they opened with 25 years ago before the first night they ever played at MSG, right. In 12, 30, 1994. And so, they're making a historical nod, right? And that's something they do so well is that they, I think like, I was talking to someone about this recently about like, you know, the reason that they are not a nostalgia act is because they like, they know they are, like they can like comment on it and be like, yes, I'm nodding back to this. And I think that that's a really like apt description of that because they can say like, we we know we've been around a long time and we know you want to hear Wilson And so we're going to play it in a moment that says to you, like, remember when we did this, remember when we came to MSG for the first time in 1994, any band headlining Madison square garden is something you want to do, right? They are, they're nodding back to that and they're opening with Wilson and you listen to that Wilson. It's so powerful and authoritative and it's like exactly what you want Wilson to be. And it's like Trey saying like, I still belong here. I still deserve to be opening up at Madison square garden on the best night of the year. And I'm still going to smoke this place. And then, you know, the next song they go into the final hurrah is a Casbah Vax Vax song, which is like new, right. Which is like a newer song, you know, that they are saying like, I can play a song that I played 25 years ago that I wrote 35 years ago, 40 years ago, and I can, you know, follow it up with a song I wrote last year for a surprise Halloween set where I did this super weird thing. You know, like this is why they are the band they are because they can have this like they're still evolving and growing. And like, I think that it's so to me, Fish is the best American band ever because of this. They have been able to continue to evolve and change their sound and stretch themselves and work hard and work through challenges that every band has, but they have been able to meet the challenge and like rise every time. And it's just, I don't even know how they still do it. And like, it's, it's so crazy because I think that's a lot of the times why there's like this, like, I don't know, this like rift between some people who don't want to like goose because people are like, oh, they're the next fish or the, it's like, you know, you don't, we don't have to own fish. We don't have to like be worried about them or anybody taking their spot because like there is going to be a time when they aren't playing the way that they play now, but they're still playing that way. And some incredible, for some reason, I don't know why it's, I mean, there's a million reasons, but I think that like that ownership and that sense of like worry, like fish is still, we don't have to worry about them. Like they are literally the best at this. They're the best hands down and there's nothing like what they do. And it will take a long time for any band to like prove that they can do what fish did. And I think that like, there is this sense of like seeing the bands in totally different eras. And I would even say like 4.0 seems totally different than 3.02 already too. You know, there's this, right. There's this like renewed sense of optimism. There's just this drive to 
you know, look at texturing and layering in a different way, you know, look at synthesizers, use synthesizers, use all these pedals and effects. There's all this different, just constant new love and light shit from Trey, which I love, you know, there's this introspectiveness to his like lyrics that he continues to grow with as he gets older and wiser. And like, those are things that he wasn't doing in 3.0, especially in the beginning of 3.0, maybe more towards the end. But I just, I think it's incredible when you think about this band and when I have opportunities like this, thanks to you to sit and think about this and like reflect on like what it was like to see them in Italy when I was 19 and what it's like to see them at, you know, the unspecified age I am now. Like, it's just, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. 20 years later. Yeah. 20 years later. <laughs> oh man. Exactly. <laughs> Meg, you're going to make me cry. Um, <laughs> that was such Aww. a beautiful, it's such a beautiful way to put that. And um, yeah, it's, it's so cool to watch uh, artists be uh, excited about the art that they make. Um, and yes. unfortunately that's kind of rare. Um, it's, it's fun to see someone when they first, you know, uh, headline stadiums and things like that. And then sometimes you don't get to grow past that. And that's okay. That's still a great achievement, but, uh, to watch, uh, you know, fish set an example for all of the bands that are now like my age, like, uh, the gooses and the, um, you know, Billy strings and like King Giz. I know that, uh, they're not like jam band people, but to, you know, Trey sets an example for all of these bands. So like keep finding joy in things, you know, even if, uh, even if you don't like his new love and light shit or whatever, that's, that's Trey finding joy in the music that you love to listen to. And so that's, that's the only reason R RJ tweeted this one time. He's like, the only reason fish is still good is because they're putting out new stuff. That's the secret. And so, absolutely. Um, so thank God they're still growing. Um, like they, they did the nineties and you confirmed it. And so if anyone says that they're not, I'll be like Meg said, they said they're still growing, well, then they'll so. believe it then they'll believe it you know it's true like, oh. and i think oh they'll be like oh well meg said it yeah and they'll be like first of all yeah. who's meg that's their first question but after that then yeah. they'll know then they'll know yeah <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but i think that's so true if you think about like a lot of like hip-hop artists like their first albums are like they have so much to say and they're like so pent up and they like release this like masterpiece of an album that's just like so like intense and moving and then it's like they run out of angst because they like get money and they like have an easier life and they don't have things to say. And I think that's like what, yeah, Trey continues to find things to say. And like, thank God I'm here for it. Yeah. I think there are a lot of genres, a lot of bands, a lot of uh, artists in general who would love to have the opportunity that um, a band like Fish or an artist like Trey has to keep growing within your stuff. I'm sure, you know, as an artist, you would love to put out your album four times and be like, well, we changed a couple little things. And actually, I kind of <laughs> wanted to do this. And, you know, because you grow and you're exactly. different and um, and all that stuff. And luckily, the bands that we go and see, they get to grow within their stuff all the time, which is what I'm there for. And is, is what I'm listening super close for, like you said. Are you growing? I'm listening really hard to see if you're growing. Okay, <laughs> and good. If you're not, growing. I'm going to be talking about it on the internet. I will be on Twitter talking about <laughs> the lack of growth immediately. <laughs> this is how I this is how I tweet. This is how you tweet? <laughs> okay, cool. I didn't know. You know, I'm not that good at Twitter. So now I know this is how you do it because I've just been doing it like this, but I guess that's wrong. You really, if you're if you're getting mischievous, you really gotta. <laughs> Head down. Okay, got it. That's, that's right. <laughs> that was the best show ever. 
That was the best show ever. That was the best show, the best show ever. That was the best show. Man, there was fucked up stuff in there. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? Okay, so that was a little bit of music from Jesus and Fartfinger, but also a really great conversation uh, with Megan Gliona. Um, We had so much fun recording this podcast. Uh, We we could have gone for another hour. We could have gone for another two hours talking about the stuff that we were on, Um, but uh, we'll just have to have her on again in the future. Um, If you you want more Megan content, you got to follow her on everything that she's on. She's on Instagram at The Megan Dance. She's on Twitter at The Megan Dance, RIP Twitter. She's got great content on there. You can also follow her on her podcasts, uh, Helping Friendly Podcast and the Things of Gold podcast on Osiris's network, keeping it in the family. Um, Had a lot of fun, uh, but until next time, have a good show. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.